Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Tuesday, January 9th, TH, 2024, and you're listening to Alex's News. Switching gears to the weather, residents in Riverside can expect a cooler day ahead with a high of 59.4 degrees and dipping to a low of 42.7 tonight. Bundle up and stay cozy as we dive into the pressing stories of today. Turning to international affairs, tension is escalating as China launches a satellite over Taiwan just days before their elections. We'll examine how this maneuver is raising alarms across the globe and what it signifies for the future of the region. Back home, the Biden administration is setting its sights on revolutionizing higher education. Details on their proposed policies are expected to boost access to federal financial aid, opening doors for more students nationwide. Stay tuned for an in-depth look at what changes could be on the horizon. And on the environmental front, a startling discovery by scientists has revealed that our bottled water is contaminated with hundreds of thousands of invisible nanoplastics. We'll unravel the implications of this finding and what it might mean for consumer health and safety. All that and more will be covered in today's episode. Stay with us as we bring light to these stories. Tensions are on the rise as China's latest military maneuver coincides alarmingly close to Taiwan's critical presidential and parliamentary elections. Joining me today is our Asia-Pacific correspondent, Ethan, with some important insights on this developing story. Ethan, could you bring us up to speed on the current situation? Certainly, Grace. In what seems to be a provocative move, China has launched a satellite, the Edison probe, atop a Chinese rocket that flew over southern Taiwan at a considerable altitude. This happened just days before Taiwan is set to hold its elections. The launch initially sparked confusion and concern, as the Taiwanese Defense Ministry mistook it for a missile, prompting alerts. However, it was later confirmed to be a satellite launch. That must have been quite unsettling for the Taiwanese people. How did their government officials react to this incident? It was indeed an uneasy moment, Grace. The alerts interrupted an international news conference held by Taiwanese Foreign Minister Joseph Wu. He had to urge journalists not to panic while President Tsai Ing-wen reassured the public, emphasizing that there was no reason to be alarmed. With China increasing its military harassment of Taiwan, this satellite launch seems to be more than just a mere coincidence. What can you tell us about China's recent activities in the region? You're absolutely right, Grace. This follows a pattern of escalating military pressure by Beijing, which views Taiwan as a breakaway province. We've seen a significant uptick in Chinese military actions, including encircling Taiwan with naval vessels, conducting aggressive military exercises, and sending military sorties into Taiwan's air defense zone on an almost daily basis. How are these aggressive moves by China affecting Taiwan internally, especially in the lead-up to the elections? Analysts see this sustained military intimidation as an attempt to strain Taiwan's defense resources, demoralize their military, and, crucially, test their response capabilities. Politically, it's casting a shadow over the elections. The Chinese pressure includes both military posturing and trade accusations, and it has led many Taiwanese to join civil defense groups in preparation for the worst-case scenario. With the elections looming, could you speak a little bit about the ramifications China's actions might have on the political outcome in Taiwan? Indeed, Grace. The election outcome is key for the future interactions between Beijing and Washington. China has shown particular animosity toward the presidential front-runner William Lai, 
who they consider a separatist. Meanwhile, the ruling Democratic Progressive Party, or the DPP, is looking to maintain a majority in the legislative elections. China's intimidation is likely an attempt to influence these results. And in terms of public sentiment in Taiwan, what impact is China's military harassment having? Public sentiment in Taiwan has been galvanized. While it's hard to measure the direct impact on the impending election, China's actions have heightened the Taiwanese population's awareness of the threat they face. Notably, all major parties in the running, as well as the majority of the Taiwanese population, have shown a clear stance against the prospect of Chinese rule. That's indeed a developing story with far-reaching implications. Thank you, Ethan, for your insightful analysis. My pleasure, Grace. It's important that we keep a close eye on this situation. Our next story today takes a dive into the world of higher education and the ongoing challenges faced by students, particularly concerning federal financial aid and oversight of colleges. For more on this, we have Chloe, who has been researching the situation detailed in a recent Politico article and other sources. Chloe, what can you tell us about the current issues with the FAFSA rollout? Well Grace, students have been encountering significant difficulties with the Free Application for Federal Student Aid, or FAFSA, and it seems the most critical problems may still lie ahead. To address this, the Biden administration has started taking major steps. They've put together a committee within the Education Department that will negotiate and hopefully resolve key policy issues directly impacting students. Negotiations are a complex process. Could you break down some of the key issues this committee is tackling? Absolutely. One of the most significant concerns they're addressing is how colleges manage the funds from students' unused meal plans. They want to crack down on any unfair retention of these funds. They're also pushing to create more student-friendly policies for FAFSA applications, which is a huge hurdle for many. And they're re-examining how online programs from out of state operate under current reciprocity agreements. It sounds like the education department has its hands full. What are the implications of these proposed changes? If these changes go through, we're looking at potential shifts in the higher education landscape. It could mean better access to financial aid, more transparent and accountable colleges, and a system that genuinely puts student needs at the forefront. And what about the changes related to accreditation and state authorization? The department is taking a firm stance on this. They're proposing regulatory changes to ensure that colleges are held accountable and students have easier access to federal financial aid. For instance, they want to limit the time a college can be non-compliant with accreditors and expect accreditors to act more swiftly when issues arise. These changes would also update eligibility rules, which would impact distance education and clock hour programs. It's really about tightening up oversight and improving the quality and accessibility of college education. Can you share more about the proposed stronger accountability measures and transparency for certificate and for-profit programs? The Education Department is advocating for what could be the strongest gainful employment rule we've ever seen. They're pushing for better transparency regarding program costs and re-establishing an enforcement unit to monitor college performance. The aim is to protect students and taxpayers from programs that leave them with debt but without valuable credentials or job prospects. All of this seems like a big undertaking, especially with the goal to finalize everything by November for next year's implementation. Are there other peculiarities in these proposals we should be aware of? They're offering a two-edged approach here, tackling existing issues while setting preventative measures. They want to open college prep programs for undocumented students and fund mental health resources in schools. So besides addressing immediate financial aid concerns, 
They're really targeting a broad range of factors that influence the student experience in higher education. It is certainly a lot to take in, and it'll be interesting to see how these negotiations progress and what the final regulations will look like. Thank you for that in-depth analysis, Chloe, and for bringing all these details into focus for us. It was my pleasure, Grace. It's a story that definitely deserves our attention, given how much it impacts students across the country. Good morning to all our viewers. Here are some other headlines we've been following. Tragedy struck the historic Sandman Hotel in downtown Fort Worth, Texas, as an explosion on January 9 injured 21 people and sent debris flying. Believed to be caused by a gas leak amidst construction, the blast happened around 3.30 p.m., trapping several individuals and leading to numerous hospitalizations, six of whom are in semi-critical condition. An investigation is underway by local authorities. Severe winter storms are wreaking havoc across the U.S., impacting both coasts with significant snowfall, school closures, and disruptions to government services. Political campaigning for the Iowa caucuses is also being affected. The West Coast is battling several feet of snow, while the East Coast has already seen homes without power due to the heavy snowfall. Blizzard warnings are in place for millions, and the South faces flooding and tornado threats. In legal news, former President Donald Trump's immunity from prosecution is challenged in federal court. He faces charges related to attempting to subvert the 2020 election results. The appeal's outcome could have significant implications, as lower courts have denied absolute immunity for acts performed while in office. Overseas, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Israel working on plans for Gaza's governance and reconstruction after the current hostilities cease. His discussions with regional partners are vital as the U.S. and Israel remain divided over Gaza's future governance. Financial support from key Arab states is seen as crucial for any post-war rebuilding efforts. In aviation, airlines, including United and Alaska, have reported finding loose parts inside door panels on Boeing MAX 9 jets. The Federal Aviation Administration, FAA, has been prompted to approve new inspection methods after these safety concerns. This has led to increased scrutiny over Boeing's manufacturing standards and the overall safety of the affected aircraft. That's a quick look at some of the stories happening around the world and at home. Now, let's check in with our weather team for the latest updates. Turning now to Story 3 of our morning lineup. A concerning development for anyone who regularly drinks bottled water. Groundbreaking research from Columbia and Rutgers universities reveals a high presence of nanoplastic particles in the water we might be sipping from our plastic bottles. Ethan, our specialist correspondent, is here to delve into these findings. What can you tell us about this study, Ethan? Well, Grace, what the researchers discovered is quite startling. They found that a typical liter of bottled water contains up to a staggering 240,000 nanoplastic particles. These particles are incredibly tiny, less than a micron in size, that's smaller than the width of a human hair, making them invisible to the eye. They used advanced microscopy with dual lasers to detect and categorize these particles. And how does that compare with larger plastics, like microplastics that we hear about more often? Grace. The levels of these nanoplastics are orders of magnitude higher than microplastics. We're talking about 10 to 100 times more nanoplastics in the samples. 
it's a significant difference and one that could raise important questions about our overall exposure to plastics. Now, the essential query on everyone's minds must be where are these tiny plastic particles coming from? According to the scientists, the likely culprits are the very bottles the water comes in and the reverse osmosis membrane filter that's used in the water purification process. What's alarming is that while these bottles are designed to hold our water, they could simultaneously be leaching these nanoplastic particles into it. Quite unsettling indeed. What do we know about the effects of these particles on human health? Here's where there's a lot of uncertainty, Grace. There's a real lack of consensus within the scientific community on the potential health impacts of nanoplastics. The International Bottled Water Association has even cautioned against causing unnecessary alarm. But while the research isn't definitive, there certainly are concerns among scientists, some of whom are altering their own water consumption habits in response to their findings. Ethan, could you touch on some specific health concerns that are being speculated about? Absolutely. For instance, there's worry that these nanoplastics could migrate through our tissues and into the bloodstream, distributing potentially harmful synthetic chemicals throughout the body and even into individual cells. This could lead to a slew of issues, including reproductive abnormalities, oxidative stress and even growth disorders. Given these concerns, is there any advice for consumers on how they might protect themselves? Yes, experts recommend swapping out bottled water for tap water when possible and storing it in glass or stainless steel containers to minimize the risk of nanoplastic consumption. They're also suggesting we be cautious of food and drinks packaged in plastic. And what about regulation? Are there measures being taken to monitor these particles? Steps are being taken in that direction. For example, in California, the State Water Resources Control Board has put together a policy handbook focused on microplastics, which may eventually extend to cover nanoplastics, aiming to standardize testing and reporting methods. It's a burgeoning area of focus, with the hope of establishing clear regulations and standards in the future. It's a lot to absorb, but certainly a critical topic that merits close attention. Thank you, Ethan, for providing such comprehensive insight into these developments. It's important to stay informed on these issues, Grace. Thanks for having me. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, the Perplexity API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.